Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. This is Tyler. And this is Ozzy. From Marine, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. She's a blessing, she's a curse, she's a beauty, you can see you right through me. In a dark room she resides among the living, not forgiving. Welcome to concerts that made us. Hi, it's uh, we're very very excited to be on. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. 
It's great to have you now. I'm looking forward to diving into your music over the next bit. You guys released Black Magic Girl on the 28th of July. What can you tell us about it? So Black Magic Girl is, uh, believe it or not, one of the more sort of slower marine songs. Uh, I actually heard it yesterday in a compilation with a few other local acts, and I realized it's actually really fast, but it's quite a slow song for us um, because a lot of our stuff is exceptionally high uh, high you know, octane, very, very uh, quick and high energy. Um, so for Black Magic Girl, it's, it's a little bit slower for us, but um, it definitely is a song that was written about the allure of a beautiful woman who uses her beauty as her magic in order to grab a hold of you. Um, so when you're talking about Magic Girl, it's about, like I said, this, this beautiful girl that uh, grabs a hold of you, and then uh, at the end of the day, she'll never, ever let you go because uh, she's got your heart, and uh, she's going to basically use you for everything she needs from you. She's going to, uh, um, the word would be, or the phrase would be, she's going to leech everything she can from you. Right. right. I think uh, if we all think hard enough, we probably know somebody like that. <laughs> probably, yeah. But, um, I mean, the inspiration for the song obviously was um, thinking of, like, classic songs, Cliff Richard's Devil Woman and uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, really trying to put our own spin on that. That really is uh, what Marine does, you know. The, the wheel was already invented, so we're just trying to put our own spin on it. I see, I see. And, you know, it's off your upcoming album, Rising After Midnight. At this stage, what can you tell us about it? What can we expect from it? So Rising After Midnight is the culmination of six years of hard work. So we've released uh, two EPs previously, but this album, you know, I really say when you when you put out an album, you you're putting a line in the sand and you're saying this is this is us and this is what we believe in, and uh, that's really what this album is. It's six years of hard work. Uh, most of the songs that are on the album have already been played live multiple times and really become staples of our shows. And the songs, they're um, they're really really showcase the uh, sort of time uh, that it takes to really pro to perfect a song i mean uh, if you take a look at some of the ep stuff we've done you know that stuff was written in the studio and uh, a lot of that stuff sort of maybe it could have been uh, uh, refined more through the live setting whereas the songs on this album they have been refined so they're the best they could possibly be and so with Rising After Midnight, there's nine songs, all killer, no filler. And it's something we're all really, really proud of. Right, right. And, you know, is there or will there be a story behind the album or an underlying message you want fans to get from it? Um, well, you know, with Rising After Midnight, it really, like I said, because it's a culmination of, of hard work from the past six years, you know, we've had a few lineup changes and we've had a lot of obstacles in our way. And so for Rising After Midnight, it's really a decree putting it out there saying, hey, we're going to rise after this. After everything we've been through, at the end of the day, tomorrow's a new day, and at midnight we're going to rise. So that's, that's really it. But in terms of an overall sort of theme throughout the songs, there's no real theme. It's not, it's not a concept record at all. But it really showcases uh, what Marine is. And of course, we want uh, people when they listen to us to close their eyes and imagine us playing live because, you know, that's what we, we thrive on. We thrive on playing live. Um, what you've probably seen if uh, you've got some information about us is the fact that, you know, we put on a live show that's heavily inspired by, you know, the stadium greats, Van Halen, Kiss, uh, you know, 
uh, Motley Crue, those type of things. But like I said, we try to put our own spin on things. So we're we're trying to put a modern twist on it, and um, while still retaining that uh, amazing live show, that those theatrics and over the top performances. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be diving deep into your shows now in a bit. I'm looking forward to hearing about them, and I'm glad you mentioned Motley Crew because I'm actually wearing a Motley Crew T-shirt at the moment, so I definitely picked the right attire for this interview. <laughs> but as a band, then, how do you approach your songwriting? Wow, I was just going to be like, wait, when am I going to get a question? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the songwriting, basically, we're we're all. Um, What's great about Marine is, is the fact that I might be the front man, but I'm definitely not the only singer. So Marune, who is our keyboardist, she she writes material. Ozzy's got his own songs. I've got my songs. Um, and we really we really try and be the Beatles and the idea of we have five distinctive personalities. Um, well, the Beatles had four, but for us it's five distinctive personalities and everybody's personality gets to shine through. And so um, from a songwriting perspective... Uh, normally what happens is we'll write our songs individually and then we'll share them with each other after they're pretty much almost finished and say, okay, well, what do you think of this? And Ozzy might say, okay, change that lyric to this or this chord doesn't work. Or, you know, some people might say and flat out say, I hate the song, you know, or I don't think it's for us or I don't think it's for Marine. And uh, then we'll start over. But um, yeah, for songwriting, uh, we don't do it all sitting in the room together because I feel like a lot of the time you waste time doing that. Because uh, you've got so many ideas flying around that the song never gets written. So I think it's personally, my personal belief is that if you go and write your song by yourself, you've got a clear vision of how you want it to go. And then when you bring it to the band, that's when the band crafts the overall sound for the song. Ozzy, anything you'd like to add to that? No, he's 100% correct. So what I find works best for us is that um, when we write together, uh, we have a chance to jam different ideas um, once a structure is already in place. So, say for example, Tyler brings a song, then he has an idea of how the bassline will go, and then we'll play it together, uh, and I'll play his idea, but then I'll add a few, you know, spins on it here and there, and then eventually from there it evolves into something else. So I find that. Um, uh, the way we write music is, uh, it's very, how can I say, conducive to, you know, getting things done good, quick, and the right way. Um, because we don't want to, like, waste weeks or months at a time trying to figure out stuff individually. And then at the end of the day, it just doesn't work out. So, yeah, bring the structure, and then from there... We work the song, work the idea until it gets refined, until it's perfect. Right. And you know, when it comes to making new music then, is there a favorite part and a least favorite part for you guys? You know, is there a part that you really look forward to and then another part that you're like, oh man, this just feels like work. I can't wait to finish. Recording the drums. Really? <laughs> <laughs> You know what they say? They say, you know, what do you call a drummer uh, with half a brain? Gifted. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, recording drums is always is always an issue, I think, with us because, you know, uh, we uh, we really strive to to have everything sort of sound the way we do in our head. But drummers got their own way of playing things. And, you know, 
I think it really takes a lot for them. Because remember, when I'm playing guitar, I'm singing. Yes, that's a that's a physical activity, but it's not as demanding as as drumming. And so for a drummer to record, it takes them a little bit, I think, to to get into the swing of things and get into the music and then feel that music. And then you can only record them until they start to dip. As soon as they dip below that that little line, you know, it's not like rugby where you can just sub them off. You know, you got to stop for the day and, and come back the next day to record because you want to make sure that the drums that are being recorded uh, feel energetic. The power is there, you know, uh, whereas with guitar playing, the amp doesn't get tired. So that's the only thing with uh, with recording. And also, you know, with drummers, you there's no uh, there's no quick uh, pop in you. You can't go, oh, I messed up that fill. Let's just pop me in straight there. With drums, because they got all those room mics and things going on, you got to do, uh, you know, you got to start over from the top of the take or from the closest stop, you know, where there's dead silence. So I think for recording drums, it definitely is more complicated than some of the other recording processes. So I think that's, um, look, Sky, our drummer, will say, oh, I look forward to recording drums. You know, he loves playing drums. But uh, for us, we know it takes the longest because we've got to get the the best performance out of it energy-wise, got to make sure he's playing the right fills. And, you know, it really is because the, the drums and the bass guitar are the foundation of every song. You've got to make sure your foundation is strong. So so that's, I'd say, not that we hate pl- the drum recording, but it's more like it's the most complicated part of the recording process, in my opinion. Um, going in and doing guitars, doing vocals—that's easy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, is there a part you really look forward to? Yes, um, my favorite part of the entire um, recording process is actually the production side. So, the way it works with us, uh, without giving too many secrets away, Ozzy's always like, "Don't tell people our secrets." But I <laughs> said, um, you know, it's, it's pretty standard. What we do is we record everything in the studio together. And then uh, we work with a mixing engineer, uh, amazing guy. His name is Alan. Uh, and uh, he uh, obviously does our recording. Uh, and then uh, what happens is during the production side, which happens after the recordings are laid down, I come back to my little home studio and then I add in all the little extra whispers and harmonies and and any extra guitar parts and anything we felt like uh, is missing from the mix. Um and that, that's really fun because we'll be mixing something and I'll be like, man, we really need something that reverses into that uh, verse, if that makes sense. So, you know, you go up into the into the verse. So then I got to sit and record those things and then run it through a reverb plugin, reverse it and send it, you know, back into the mix. And then we get that up. She's a blessing. She's a curse. So on and so forth. So there's a lot of fun that is had in that side of things because of the fact that... Um, you can really, really play around with different ideas. Uh, and especially, you know, you can do some really silly sounds and things in the mix that people aren't going to hear. But it's more about filling it in. You know, I call it the the cookie mo- the cookie monster is in the whenever you got shouty bits in, in choruses and stuff for crowd. And then you really got to make it sound aggressive. Then you go, you know, into the into the microphone, whatever the lyrics are in order to um make that sound bigger than what it is. And that's really where the fun comes from, is, is trying to think of ideas uh, to accentuate the sound, but without drawing the listener's ear. That does actually sound like a hell of a lot of fun. And Ozzy, what about you? What's your favorite and least favorite part of making new music? I think my favorite part would be recording vocals, um, because personally, I, I enjoy listening to songs that have very interesting harmonies and vocal lines. And I find that 
um, the way we do recordings um, is very fun because uh, we'll have like um, a group of us around a mic or two mics and we'll sing like chorus parts. Um, for example, in one of our songs, we did a really cool thing where we um, we sort of doubled and tripled our voices to make it sound like it's a massive um, you know, crowd. And um, that was really fun experimenting with different ways of miking the room and, you know, pitching our voices. Um, we have a lot of fun when we involve other people as well. So um, on one of our songs, without giving away too much detail, we, you know, invited a bunch of friends and family to the studio and uh, we got them to join in. And, um, you know, it's just to add that extra oomph because, you know, it's always good to to make a song sound alive. And when you have, you know, real people um, who want to be a part of that, it just it adds so much flavor to the music. And I think on the other hand, um, the part that I don't like is, I guess, um, mixing uh, or, or I can say production. Because I love, I love playing. All I want to do is just play. I want to play live, record in the studio. Um, so I leave that speciality to Tyler. He's a genius at it, um, as you can hear from our, you know, past releases. Um, also, it's quite technical, and you know, um, I guess not all of us can be experts at everything. So yeah. Well, the the normal saying is um, this is a this is a reverb knob. It allows you to have more reverb. Now you know what it, to do with it, <clears throat> but I cannot tell you when to stop turning it. <laughs> and you know, for you guys, where does this love of classic rock come from? Man, this is such an interesting story. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't believe me if I told them this, but when I was around about six, seven years old, I was watching Scooby-Doo, as you normally do at that age, and that entire episode, uh, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo were going, oh, can't wait because Kiss is going to be playing, whatever, at this festival or whatever. I don't know. And um, at the end of the episode, um, there's Gene and Paul and, and Ace and Peter, and they, they're playing at the, at the little festival thing. They do shout it out loud. And I think because of the uh, hype up to going, oh, kiss, 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 whatever, by the time they're on the stage and then I heard this music I'd never heard before, heard nothing like it ever in my life before, um, I think that's what really hooked me as a kid. And then from then onwards, Kiss were my favorite band because it was Scooby-Doo's favorite band. And, uh, you know, then I begged and pleaded with my parents to get me a Kiss CD and they obviously, my parents didn't know anything about Kiss. My dad liked Jethro Tull. You know, my mother liked uh, the Spice Girls. So, uh, you know, I think uh, for, for them it was a bit odd that all of a sudden they've got this seven-year-old that wants to listen to, you know, Kiss. And so they finally got me the CD, The Very Best of Kiss. And, uh, yeah, I fell in love with, with the songs on there. Strutter, Deuce, Got to Choose, Harder Than Hell, I Was Made for Loving You, Love Gun, I Stole Your Love, Calling Dr. Love. You know, all these songs, and they were really mystical and magical, and the personalities were, were uh, over the top. And, um, and then when I was finally around about 13, 14, I saw uh, their live performances on YouTube, and I was so blown away with what they did. It really inspired me to, to pick up the mantle and go, you know what? I can do that. I can touch that nerve. I know if I get up on stage and we put a band together that we'll be able to to do something similar 
where uh, people will feel like they're getting, like I said, that same nerve sort of touched, you know? Mm. So that's where that sort of love came from. And then I went and discovered, you know, Deep Purple and uh, Free and uh, uh, Van Halen, Led Zeppelin, Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, Rat, all the bands, you know? You know how it goes. You start off in one place and then you branch off. It's a massive rabbit hole. It is, yes. Dropkick Murphys. That's a that's not a name I was expecting you to, expecting you to say <laughs> now. After all the other ones you named. <laughs> and Ozzy, what about you? Where does your love of classic rock come from? Um, I'm not gonna lie. I used to listen to Dropkick Murphys very early on. Also, um, there's this one song um, they do. I think it's called "Shipping Up to Boston" or something like oh, that. Oh man, I love the it. best song. Oh. Yeah. I love the that song. The best song. And there was, that... <laughs> there was another one called, I think it's called Tattoo Rose. Yeah, Rose, Rose Tattoo. Rose Tattoo. Oh, I used to listen to that song when I like driving on the way to school and my headphones. I love that stuff. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm going to um, laugh here because I'm going to say that's my alarm. That's my alarm clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I've actually seen Long. them, I think, six times in concert now. Oh, man. They are. They're unreal. Every time they come to Ireland, I make sure I'm there. Oh, it's great. Great yeah. stuff. So so uh, for me, what happened was that um, the first Iron Man movie came out and there was a scene where Tony Stark flies up into, I guess, the air and then he lands at a massive Iron Man convention and all these girls dressed in like the most skimpy outfits are dancing around him. And ACDC's uh, Shooter Thrill starts playing. And it was the first time that I ever heard rock music. Um, because I come from a household where, you know, it was not really allowed. Um, and so I was so, like, obsessed with this, this genre. Like, wow, the guitars sound so angry. The vocals sound so, you know, in your face. And then, you know, like Tyler, I went down a rabbit hole listening to bands, um, all the time and then at the time vh1 used to play um like old rock and roll videos and there was one night where i was watching vh1 and i was made for loving you came on and i saw this this band that was like dressed up in glitz and glamour and these shiny sparkling guitars and you know the bassist was jumping all over the place and i was like whoa this is really cool. And I, you know, I also felt like, okay, I can do this as well. But then I, I went, um, when I was in uh, school, um, I started playing jazz and I played a lot of jazz music and jazz festivals, things like that. And it was only after school um, that I got into the punk scene. And then from there, met Tyler. And um, yeah, well, we it's played just, a it's... battle of the bands, and Ozzy likes bringing this up, so I'm going to bring it up before he does. His band beat my band at the time, but um, I was really blown away with with Ozzy's stage persona, and it really matched mine. You know, over the top, crowd focused, because I was playing with a bunch of guys that they looked like they were embarrassed to be up on the stage. You know, right. and uh, so because of that, I I looked at Oz and I went, you know what, this guy, I want him in my band. I don't even know his name, but he's going to be in in my band. And that's when Mar when uh, Oz and I decided to get together and form Marine, as we know it today. Nice, right? Interesting, yeah. interesting. Stealing other bands' members, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and we you... were we were both in two bands going nowhere slowly. So, hmm. yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, with the style of music you guys played in, do you find do you find that it's easy to get pigeonholed or maybe that people tend to not take you as seriously? I've spoke to bands, other bands before that, you know, try to bring classic rock into the modern age. And they've said to me at different times that a percentage of their followers kind of don't take them as a serious band. What's your views on it? You know, my thing is this, is that you got to have fun. Uh, I think that when you're when you're up on the stage, if you're too serious, I think you're, <laughs> you're not really doing what you should be doing because you should be entertaining people. And at the end of the day, you know, different people come to different shows for different reasons. Um, not everybody comes to a show for the music. Some people come to be entertained with the choreography we do. Uh, with other aspects some people come just the music you know it really depends on the person um i think the the biggest thing that sort of i would say pigeonholes us is the fact that people get the wrong idea they they think that we're a we're a glam band like poison or you know like uh you know that and we we really we we try and say listen we're not a glam band that's the one thing we definitely don't want to be because you know glam is all about hair metal is all about you know look how how pretty i am don't listen to the music you're only coming because i look a certain way and that's really not what marine is about you know marine we're all musicians we all love music we all have a deep uh passion for it and that's why we started down this journey however the stage show that we put on is really the aspect that brings people to the sh to the show to see us live cuz you know these days we've got we've got streaming we've got youtube why do you need to go out and watch a band live you know, you go for the live show. So we really try and excel on our live show to make sure that we're putting out something that is really, really on top and on the same level with international acts, if not better. Um, and so, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for us is, of course, we get put into this category of glam or hair metal or whatever. Um, and that, that really, it, it closes people's eyes and shuts their ears before they've even put on the put on the CD, you know. And I think that is the one thing that that does irritate me a bit. Uh, obviously, because there's a stigma for it, because uh, at one point it was like the boy bands, you know, every everyone wanted to be in a in a metal band because it got the girls or or it was uh, lucrative for their pockets. So even though you were a horrible band with a smoke machine, you got an album and a tour and a this and a that and really saturated the market with terrible music. And I think that's the problem is, again, people people uh, see a picture of us or they uh you know, they read a, some headline that says this glam band, even though we don't push ourselves as that. And they just shut their ears and close their eyes um, before they've given us a try. So, yeah, I understand where some bands are coming from. But at the same token, you know, if you have people coming into your shows, everybody comes to the show for a different reason. So we try and fulfill everybody's needs and desires at our shows. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And, uh, you know, it's called Concerts That Made Us. So after all, I have to ask you, as a concert goer, what concerts have made you guys? Well, what made us is the fact that we never got to see the concerts we wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, unfortunately, we, we're in South Africa. So the only people that come out to see us is Justin Bieber in One Direction. So uh, you got to appeal to the masses and the masses are pop listening people. And uh, unfortunately, you know, guys like us, we... We never got to see Kiss. We never got to see Van Halen. We never got to see Dropkick Murphys. We never got to see, you know, any of the bands that that really interest us. And if any of the bands that interest us now um, came to South Africa, they came here way before our time. 
Bon Jovi was here in the 90s. Um, Metallica was was here in like 2007 or something like that. So, you know, it was a long time before we were old enough to start going to concerts. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the main thing. So concerts that made us, unfortunately, like I said, what made us is our desire to to be the band we never got to see live. You know what? I think that may just be the most perfect answer I've got to that question. That like there's something poetic about that. <laughs> um, Ozzy could probably tell you more about that, but what's really cool is that uh, you know, Kiss is on their uh end of the road tour now. And uh my girlfriend, she got us tickets to go and watch them in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, sorry. And so we're going to that in October. So that's gonna be really cool. And I can only thank her so much for that because that's a dream come true, you know see your heroes live in front of you so so yeah then that'll be the concerts that made us but uh up until this point it's been not being able to see bands like that but ozzy's probably got more to say on that he's got a different perspective you're gonna have to send me a voice note or something after that concert and tell me all about it <laughs> yes 100 <laughs> percent. and uh ozzy what about you what concerts have made you or what would you like to tell us about it so I guess from my perspective, um, I got tired of going to, you know, local shows and seeing bands um, that looked like they just woke up. They would wear like the most scruffy clothes. They looked like they just walked in off the street. There's no respect to the audience, you know, and um, that really changed my outlook on, you know, performance because you want to give the audience, what they pay for. And if you are up there and you're looking like you don't want to be there, you're not smiling, you're not looking at the crowd, you're not interacting with people, you know, well, like Tyler said, you know, I can just stay at home and listen to the music on Spotify. So, yeah, I, I, we like we would go and watch some of the biggest bands and they would just be like, you know, four normal dudes in buttoned up T-shirts and, you know, I guess baggy jeans. Uh, playing on carpets um, and you know it's it's not entertainment it's kind of like static you know so that's why uh, we always say you know the hardest part about being in marine is that we'll never get to see ourselves live um, so we always wanted to be that band that you know people who wanted something more out of just going to a show um, we always wanted to provide something more um than just you know just some regular guys that just uh, woke up and hey, said hey you know i want to play a bar uh, and they're sitting in a corner at some tiny stage and it's kind of it's 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 a small mindset um because like we have our sights set on bigger stages and as the years have gone by we've only played from strength to strength so so every every time we play it's you know it's either a bigger stage or a better stage or better sound you know better lights better you know effects um you know explosions sparklers all these kind of things and it really makes um the crowd go wow you know this there's, there's something we say um uh, when 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 people always ask us you know what do you want the crowd to say when you guys finish and i i, I don't really want to use expletives uh, on your podcast but you know um it's like a big f word <laughs> wow you know mm. um, so yeah that that that's 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 the idea behind it um 
that sounds like quite the experience. And how do you guys work on your stage show then and keep it fresh and exciting for the next show? Well, that's the thing is um, the problem we have is not only do we have to get on that stage and uh, we always say we get on the stage to beat the other bands, um, but, but you know, I know that sounds so bad, but that we got to, we always try and, especially when we play shows, we book bands to open for us that are really, really good so that we can get up on that stage and we've got something, you know, you got to make an enemy in your head to, to really perform. And, and we, even though we love the bands that play with us, we make sure we book the best so that when we get up on that stage, we know where the bar is so that we can go and we can raise the bar. Um, anyway, so what I would say is that, uh, when it comes to to our live shows, trying to keep it entertaining is very difficult because not only are we trying to, like I said, raise the bar based on the other bands that came before us, but we also got to raise the bar based on people's expectations of us. Because, you know, when people come and see us, then they go home and they sit and they marinate in it and they go, oh, you know, this, 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 and then they bring their friends to come and see us. And we want it to be just as exciting as it was the first time for them. And that's quite difficult because... Uh, you know, you're you're up against yourself. So you got to be better than what you were before. So for us to keep the show entertaining, we move songs around, we add more choreography, and we try and again, make this make the show crowd focused. But at the end of the day, you know, you can only pull so many rabbits out of a hat until you've everybody knows how many rabbits you can pull out a hat in an hour, you know, so it does become quite uh, difficult to try and one-up yourself every time and I think until you get to the to the level where you're playing stadiums and you're able to design an entire new stage every time you go on tour I think it's you know it's quite difficult in the current uh, uh, club sort of uh, venues and things that we play currently because you you your stage is basically whatever stage they've got available for you and you can only from there decorate it and then add your show to that stage. So yeah, that's that sort of answers your question, I hope. It does, it does. I was just thinking as you were speaking there, your shows actually sound like, you know, a stadium level gig in a club, if you know what I mean. That's what we've always tried to strive to be. And the funny thing about that is, you know, I've said to, we've been trying for a long time to get a proper concert order for us in order to, uh, you know, get into sort of bigger shows and concerts and things. And you know, I always try and pitch it to them and say, we play every show like it's a stadium show. Every stage, doesn't matter how big or small it is, we'll play it like it's a stadium. For these people that go, what does that mean? Because, you know, a lot of them, they think, okay, stadium show, One Direction, Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, I don't understand. Meanwhile, we're trying to say stadium show. Think of the stadium rockers, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, Motley Crue, Kiss, Iron Maiden. Those are big productions, and that's what we do no matter what stage it is. And a lot of people, it's difficult for them to grasp that because, you know, I've had people say, you guys are great, but I have no clue what to do with you. That must be tough to hear. Oh, it is, you know. I, we, we were watching, you know, Marina and myself, the keyboarder, she's my girlfriend. Uh, she uh, and I've been watching that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, and it's very interesting people saying, you know, when, when he, or him saying, when he was starting out as an actor, people said, you're way too big, you'll never be an actor. You'll never be an actor with an accent like that and with big muscles like that because the actors that are in are the guys playing in Godfather. What are we supposed to do with you, you know? 
Um, they had no idea that you could be Conan, the Terminator, Commando. You could be in Predator and you could become this huge action star because it never had been done before. So I suppose it's the same with us, even though, you know, bands like Kiss and Iron Maiden, Van Halen, all those places, you know, people, they've uh, done the stuff before. You got to understand that for the modern, for the modern um, environment and the modern listener, they've never seen anything like that before. They don't know it. Everybody who's over the age of 40 maybe knows, but nobody really that's younger than that knows. And so for concert promoters, they got to think about who do you pair up with uh, the indie and pop artists definitely not some glam band and again they put you in that that uh, little corner um, to justify it without uh, sort of seeing that uh, we're not a glam band we're a rock band um, and uh, you know we take what we do seriously yeah yeah and you know I always ask out of all the gigs you guys have played is there one you revisit in your mind as maybe the best experience you've had yeah, I think um, uh, the last time that we actually did a huge show was Halloween of 2021. And the reason why I say so is because when we do shows, we normally like to involve um, other, you know, companies or brands that, you know, would like to promote themselves. Because, you know, I think we alluded to this earlier in the interview where, um, you know, you want to, you want to, you know, step up level up and we we as entertainers we provide a platform for for people right to express themselves or express themselves through the music or just to have a good time and so i would say um the halloween show was great because we oh we worked with some you know uh, uh ram companies and uh, we had like dress up competitions and we gave away tattoo vouchers and um, there, were, there were a lot of people who just came. Uh, they'd never heard of us before, but they, you know, said, "Hey, you know, there's this thing going down, and they're giving away prizes." And it was just such a great time. Um, everyone had such a blast. Sounds like quite, uh, quite a night. And you know, when you guys think about when you're on tour. Is there any funny or interesting stories that pop into your mind? You know, what kind of antics do you get up to? It's very difficult to tour in South Africa because it's only two big cities. Right. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people, uh, bands in the US, they go, oh, yeah, we're going on a tour. And then they, there's like 300 cities to go to. Whereas in South Africa, there's only two real big cities. The rest are all small little towns, population 100. So, um, you know, it's, it's quite difficult to do any sort of real tour. But, um, you know, the funniest thing that's happened to us was the previous lineup in the band. Uh, you know, we went all the way to one town to play a festival and the lead guitarist quit while we were there. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so then we had to play the, the festival as only a three-piece. Um, so I think that is, that is the most, I think, lead guitarist thing a lead guitarist has ever done. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know... Unfortunately, girls create politics. So, you know, that that's the main the main story. Unfortunately, it's like that in bands. People will be like, what? No, what are you talking about? You know, but it's true. You know, uh, you, you get your heartstrings um, pulled and then all of a sudden, you know, you turn on your friends and that's how it goes, I suppose, is what it is. But um, that's got to be the most interesting story for us tour-wise. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, like I said, it's quite difficult to do any type of real tour uh, in a country where you only got two real big cities because um, 
you're playing a show every weekend, you saturate yourself to the point where instead of having one show uh, every six months where you get 200 people to come and see us, if you're doing a show every week, you've only got four people that come and see you every week, you know? That's that's the main thing. It's a bit difficult to to do big show to do a big show all the time or to tour. So yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a fine line, you know, you don't want to become too familiar. Yeah, it's just you know, I we, we used to do a lot of shows back in the day, and then I had someone say to me, I said, Listen, man, you know, I think you guys would get a lot more people to your shows if you'd played less shows because then people wouldn't say, I'll just catch you at the next one. You know, when you guys aren't playing gigs, say there's a couple of months of a break in between your gigs, how do you stay connected with your fans? Well, that's the thing is we uh, we try and make sure that we keep up our social media. But at the same time, you know, when we whenever we're not playing shows, we're recording music. So, um, I mean, the past 2022 was a bit of a mess because uh, myself and Marine, we moved up to to Johannesburg, whereas uh, the rest of the band is in Cape Town, where we were based. So that distance really put a strain on us, and we didn't play because um, we couldn't really figure out a way of, of getting it done. So what was really awesome is when we went back to Cape Town in December, we went and we recorded an album, and we started laying the foundations to get the band to be playing shows again um, across the, the two cities that we are in. And uh, the way by doing that is we'll go down and play a show in Cape Town and they come up and do a show in Johannesburg. And uh, that allows us to to play shows and rehearse over Zoom. I mean, Zoom is an amazing platform. So It's amazing the technology that bands have at their fingertips now compared to back in like the 80s or even the 90s, you know? Yeah, auto-tune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd wonder how some of them actually made it without it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, one thing that always intrigues me is, I think it happens to every musician at some stage in their life. You know, you play a massive gig, say on a Friday night, the biggest, biggest crowd you've played before. You wake up the next morning and it's kind of back to reality. How do you deal with those feelings? You know, people that meet me, even listen to me, even over the podcast, will probably say I don't really see him as a frontman. Um, because how could you be a frontman, but at the same time be so calm and and have this sort of, you know, very, very relaxed way of speaking? And the same with Ozzy, you know, Ozzy speaks like he's straight out of uh, his doctorate. You know, <laughs> whereas how do you, how do these two guys, how are they front men? How do they sing? How do they perform like they say they do if they speak like this? And the main thing is that when you get up on that stage, I'm no longer Tyler Duggan, the sales rep, the, you know, person that, that uh, has a day job. I'm Tyler Duggan, the rock star. And when I'm up there, I don't speak like this. I speak like this. How is everybody doing? Are we feeling good tonight? You know, and all of a sudden it's a different person. Because that's how it is with us. We are. When we get up there, you're a new person. And so for us, I think it's very easy for us to to separate ourselves from those two people. Obviously, I always say I'm never going to go buy milk in what I wear on stage. Might get a few odd looks, all right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially in South Africa, you know, it's a very conservative country, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Ozzy, what about you? How do you, has that ever happened to you? How would you approach those feelings? Or are you similar to Tyler? Yeah, so, no, I agree with what he says and I feel the same. But, um, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, you're an entertainer. Um, you know, when you go to the circus, you see the clowns and they're all painted up and they're wearing these bright red noses and these wigs and these massive shoes. And, you know, for an hour or two, it's like, wow, this person is, it's just like, it's like, it's a, it's you, you, you believe this person is a real thing, but you know, he goes backstage afterwards, takes up the makeup. Maybe he has a wife and kids. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he goes home to an empty cold bed and, you know, he just sleeps alone or whatever. We're not talking about you, Oz. <laughs> I was just going to say, that sounds really sad. You're going to make me cry if you keep going. <laughs> well, you know what they say, tears of a clown. <laughs> this is why we have pets. So, yeah, you know, it's 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 hard to wear a mask 24-7. Um, but that's where, you know, taking me time uh, is very important. And, you know, going to the gym, going out in nature, um, being out with your friends, um, and then maybe doing it again um in the next month and this is why when when we when we were together we rehearsed you know two sometimes three or four times every single week um so that we don't lose the sense of who we are um so we're always in touch with that um thing that you know makes us special on stage and that's why when we rehearse we rehearse like we're on stage so uh, you know it becomes a part of who you are so it's very easy to, you know, switch back to entertainment mode from work mode. Yeah, that's the one thing is that when we rehearse, you know, we rehearse with our backs to the drummer because that's how it's going to be on stage. Uh, I always hated the fact that bands stand in a circle and look at each other because it's not going to be like that. When you're on stage, you're going to be looking at the crowd in front of you. So when we rehearse, we set up the rehearsal space like it's the stage we do all the choreography i do all of the stage talk so i'll be sitting there talking to a bunch of empty boxes going let me hear you you having a good time how are we doing so far you know um and you know we all we don't just all look at me and go okay well now he's doing the talking section no the other guys will sit and they'll be pointing and interacting with the floor you know because that's how it's going to be when you're on stage you're not going to be looking at me talking you're going to be looking at the crowd getting them going so it's very important for us to rehearse the way we play live. And uh, I wanted to say as well, you know, regarding band practices uh, twice, three times a week, um, you know, I went through a very rough patch a couple of years ago. And the one thing that really, really got me through it was that rehearsal I knew was coming up because it allowed me to step into the person I really, really wanted to be, which was the person that got up on stage and was able to command the stage and talk to, you know, hundreds of people at a time and have them almost envy me for it, you know? They're in the crowd, and Ozzy always says, you know, people, they look up to bands and, and musicians and, and actors because they want to live vicariously through them. And, um, you know, I got to live vicariously through my stage persona twice a week at band rehearsal, and it really, you know, allows you to, to exit that, that depressing state that, you know, sometimes people can get trapped into. I actually really really like the psychology behind that and um you know i suppose before we dive into the last couple of questions you've told us already about the upcoming album but future plans is there anything else you want to share with us any big gigs anything big happening besides the album 
Yeah, uh, we are playing a show in Cape Town and then um, the rest of the band is going up to Johannesburg to headline a festival. Um, yeah, after the album comes out, we'll think about doing some music videos to, you know, give our fans a bit more eye candy than what we already have. In terms of plans, I think that's pretty much it for now. We we try and, you know, you, you put out an album and if you go and say, okay, we're also going to now put out a, a, a EP or something after that, no one's going to listen to your album because they're going to want to listen to the new thing. So, you know, you got to sit and wait for it to marinate, see how it does, you know, see what people's favorite tracks are and then move in that direction. Um, obviously, you don't want to be putting out stuff that no one's going to listen to, then what's the point? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It kind of defeats the purpose. And uh, we'll dive into the last few. So these are a few random questions, but I'm intrigued to see what answers you come up with. So if you guys could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Peter Steele from Typo Negative. I I like the quickness of the response there, I have to say. <laughs> that guy was a musical genius. I mean, he invented an entire genre that I don't think that anyone else has ever been able to come close to. There's no such thing. I've never ever seen a band pull off that Typo Negative sound ever. And um, I remember when I discovered Typo Negative at the age of 13 or 14, I was just blown away by their music. So um, I'm curious to see Ozzy's <laughs> uh, answer here. Bala, I think you just stole my answer. <laughs> <laughs> because as, as a bassist, you know, that's like the pinnacle of sound. Um, you know, um, like, like I, I agree with what he said. Uh, when, I, when I discovered Typo Negative, I was... I was shocked at like, how, how can a band sound so good and so unique um, and no one else is even be able to like recreate anything that, of what they've done. And yeah, it's just like, it's, it's like, it's something that I would have loved to have seen. But uh, if not that, I would have loved to have seen Rush um, before they disbanded. Um, I think, um, you know, as also, once again, as a bassist, um, I'm very enamored with uh, Geddy Lee and um, the drumming of Neil Peart. Uh, un unfortunately, when he, he died, you know, um, before he could do another show. But um, yeah, I think uh, those are one of the like the great, great um, rock and roll bands of all time that I would have loved to have seen. They would definitely make for some pretty cool concerts. All right. And this one, though, I, I have to say it's a bit odd, but... If you had to spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Paul Stanley of Kiss. I love that guy. He's so cool. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I, I've always looked up to Paul Stanley and his ability to to uh, be one of the greatest frontmen of, of rock. You know, a lot of people might say Freddie Mercury or something like that, but there's, there's just something about the star child that really captures uh, my attention and, um, you know, I've, I've always said if I had to have a man crush, it would be Paul Stanley. So, you know, um, he was hitting notes in the 80s in some of those songs that only dogs could hear. So it's really, it really is, um, he's one of, I got to say, he's, he's, you know, he's my idol. I, I've always looked up to him my entire life uh, from the moment I, I was introduced to Kiss. And I've always wanted to be as close to that as I ever could. Live vicariously through him.
You know, I'm coming up on, I think, about 150 episodes now. And I'm 99.9% positive. That's the first time someone has said Paul Stanley for that answer, would you believe? Well, you know, a lot of people... uh... (laughs) A lot of people get into music because they like Nirvana these days. You know, they see that as a legacy band. So most people probably have seen Kurt Cobain or they would have said, uh, you know, maybe uh, Alice in Chains or or maybe some of the 90s bands, whereas, uh, you know, my roots go deeper to the 70s. I like it. I like it. I wouldn't mind spending some time with Paul Stanley myself. He'd seem, he seems like he'd be a really cool guy. He's probably an asshole, for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, he, he probably does have a bit of an ego, but if you could dig under the ego, you know? Yes, yes, 100%. Yeah. And Ozzy, what about you? I'm intrigued to see who you pick. Oh, this is actually a very hard question because I can give you multiple answers from different <laughs> genres. Right. Um, am I allowed to give non-rock and roll musicians as an answer? Oh, yeah. As long as at some stage in their life they have held a microphone or a musical instrument, you can pick them. Well, <laughs> Tyler's, Tyler's going to be very upset with me. Um, so I, I apologize in advance. But um, I think for me, um, I would love to spend some time with a guy called Karl Heinz Stockhausen. Um, and the reason is... Um, is he the leader of the SS? <laughs> I don't know if you can say that. <laughs> no, it's just, he's got one of those names. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> so so the, 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 the reason for me is because, um, as we know, um, you know, music was pretty much a science back in the, in the 50s and the 60s, right? And um, in order to record uh, any music, you'd have to go into this massive room with all these big equipment and, you know, they would hand wire electrical components. And it was really a lot of engineering and physics that actually went into, um, you know, the, um, the, 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 the technical part of music. And this guy, um, you can check him out um, if you're interested, but he sort of revolutionized um, music composition and music as an art form. Um, he was a, a musician in the genre of avant-garde. So the more popular, I guess, composers in that space would be uh, someone like Philip Glass or Steve Rich. But um, the reason why I say I would love to spend some time with him is because I want to know um, or I want to be able to understand, you know, how does someone go from, you know, creating in traditional music to turning it over on its head and you know expressing sounds and new forms and finding new ways to express instruments uh, that you know people have never done in the past um i mean i could say someone like david lee roth but i mean he just spent the whole entire 24 hours talking about himself you know that's <laughs> All right, guys, so I'm David Lee Roth, and you know, hey, so like. (laughs) An old hour of that, I think uh, he's the only one that's going to leave the room alive. (laughs) Yeah, I I just feel like, you know, like on the floor, passed out, my ears bleeding after hearing him talking about like he's smoking a Marlboro before the show or during during the show. Yeah, to warm up. (laughs) 
<laughs> or like listening to him talking about his rock climbing or you know all that kind of stuff yeah yeah was That's... philip glass the guy that did that song which is like three minutes 20 seconds or something where it's just silence uh uh it was it was a different guy oh, it was a different guy okay yeah i have to say i i really like that answer now i like the thinking behind it it's really thinking outside the box you know and if you thought that one was hard this one is going to be near impossible i'm very sorry i apologize beforehand but if there was a song to appear on the soundtrack to your life what would it be that's a that is a difficult one i definitely haven't been asked that before <laughs> right uh uh geez that's that is that is quite the difficult one a song to appear on my soundtrack um i mean i could make a joke out of it and say uh uh you know the joker by the steve miller band but uh, <laughs> i'm not a midnight toker so i wouldn't be able to to say that one uh i mean look I think that as any musician, I think the the song that would appear on everybody's own life soundtrack is I Want to Rock and Roll All Night and Party Every Day, because I think that that uh, song perfectly personifies exactly what you want to be as a musician. That's why we get into this in the first place. I mean, you pick up a guitar, and it sounds bad, it sounds sexist or whatever, but, you know, everyone picks up a guitar because they, you know, they discover this thing called girls, and <laughs> and the, the guitar is the best way to, to achieve that. And so, um, you know... I think from then onwards, everybody has this dream of being a musician and rocking and rolling on the stage all night and then waking up and partying every day. So I got to say, the most cliche, cliche answer would be that song. Maybe cliched, but I think it's actually a perfect answer. <laughs> and Ozzy, what about yourself? Yeah, no, this is also a very hard question for me. Because um, orig originally, I was going to say uh, 10 million bicycles. Um, I, I, I don't know if you know that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, who does that song? Um, it's a, a a lady, isn't it? it? Was out about ten, fifteen years ago. Yeah, there are ten million bicycles in Beijing, and mm. that's a fact. That song, but um, it's not that song, but a similar song called "Silly Love Songs" by Paul McCartney and Wings. Right. And um, and I guess the the reason behind that is so the 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 idea behind the song was that John Lennon once told Paul McCartney that all he writes is love songs, right? And Paul said to himself, you know what? Yeah, you know people love love songs because it's beautiful, and you know that's like one of the best human experiences that anyone can you know experience. And so the entire song is about like, you know, so what's wrong with writing silly love songs? You know, I love it. People love listening to it. Um, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a good, it's a beautiful message. Um, because you know, as we know, music is about love. So yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Breakup songs are even better, but the thing is with breakup songs is when you miss the one part that hurts you the most, you got to listen to the whole song again. True. You know what I'm thinking? I want to go off now and find if that uh, frog song that Paul McCartney wrote is do, a love song. Do, do, <laughs> do, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, guys, it's been an absolute blast and I've really enjoyed chatting with you. It was a fun one. Ryan, we haven't heard your answers to those questions. 
Oh man, I was hoping you wouldn't ask. <laughs> I am going to ask because I'm going to ask you what was the concert that made you? Oh, that is tough. Oh, I would say, I always say it's either Metallica or ACDC. I seen ACDC back in 09 and Metallica in 2019. And just aside from the music, the presence and the stage show they put on just blew me away, you know? Yeah. Have you been able to see Ghost yet? Oh, man. Yes. They actually supported Metallica in oh, 19 wow. and then they came back again, I think, just at the end of the year. And I saw them there. They were in a smaller venue, an indoor venue. Oh, God. Just perfection. Absolute perfection. That is a band that both Oz and I both look up to. I think that's the only band that's a modern band that's actually doing what we want to do mm. currently. So, you know, if they can break out of the chains that that uh, shackled them, I'm sure we'll be able to do what we want to do. Definitely. So it's, it, it's funny you mentioned Ghost because the, the day that I knew Tyler and I were going to be friends is when we were sitting in his car and we were not really like friends at the time because uh, I just joined the band to sort of helping him help out with this one gig. And we were sitting in the car and he, and he played me Square Hammer by Ghost and he was like, hey, do, do you know this band? And I and I listened to it and I was like and I had been listening to Ghost for oh a long time before that. And no one else I knew listened to Ghost. And the moment he played me that song in my head, I was like, you know what? This guy, he's gonna be my brother one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And uh I suppose if I had to spend twenty-four hours locked in a room with someone, I would pick either Jim Morrison from the doors or Elvis you Presley. You didn't have to say who Jim Morrison was. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot who Elvis I was speaking Presley. to for a second. <laughs> Elvis Presley, is this before or after you went to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> Preferably maybe 1968 era. You know, yeah, the comeback. The comeback show. Yeah. Um, when the first time I ever saw Elvis Presley was I was at my grandmother's place and she had this DVD and she put it on and I, the first song was Jailhouse Rock when he comes down on the, the pole and I think that before Kiss I was actually first enamored with uh, Elvis Presley everything from gelling my hair back like that to uh, to his music was just crazy I loved his voice and for you know I think it's hilarious how when I was a kid all I wanted to do was sing deep like Elvis Presley but as I matured, all I wanted to do was sing higher and higher and higher, like, uh, you know, John Bon Jovi, mm. so Sammy Hagar. It's actually a perfect evolution from oh, it is, yeah. the, the rest of the guys, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm realizing now how hard these questions actually are. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. I suppose the, uh, the soundtrack one, uh, I'm going to be really sweet now and say... Paul Simon has a song. I'm not entirely sure of the title of it, but Bridge Under Troubled Water. <laughs> oh God, no! Nothing so depressing. It's a <laughs> it's a song he wrote for his daughter, and it's about that nobody will love her more than her father. So I suppose I have two daughters, and they are my world. So that would probably have to appear on the soundtrack to my love somewhere. Mm, that's a good one. My yeah. My dad always says for his, it's Father and Son by Cat Stevens, oh. I would say. He's always said that's his song, so. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Then, of course, I could just flip it around and say L.A. Woman 
if I wanted to rock out, you know. <laughs> All right. Listen, All right. guys, it's been an absolute blast. And uh I forgive you for switching the uh, the questions around on me. <laughs> you know, the problem is with us is that once we get talking, we don't stop, you know. I've heard I've heard that a couple times ago. Guys, we it's come on, you're hijacking the whole whole airwaves here. <laughs> oh look. Sure look, we'll uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime. No, please do. I mean, this has been really fun. It's been uh, you know, it's it's always great when we get to chat to people outside of the local scene. And um, you know, the the great thing about Ireland is your rugby might be horrible. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. You know, you know how it goes. We got to, we got to, we got to make sure that we're uh, hyping ourselves up ahead of the World Cup coming up. Oh, I but, know. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you guys are number one in the world, so it's okay. Um, oh, yeah. We'll, oh, we'll yeah. replace you very soon. I doubt uh, it. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, outside of the rugby aspect, we never really get to, uh, you know, really see what Ireland's uh, music scene is like. Um, mm. or interact with people from it so that's it's really awesome and thank you so much for having us on it's been a blast Nostalgic Ripping out
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rockin'. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. <laughs>